salutations, hello, good morrow, and welcome to Right On Track, the podcast where we munch and crunch into all things that are matter and a cause and effect to Thomas the Tank Engine and friends and the Railway Series, and this is episode 32. I am one third of your host, Tom Denham, and also joined by... Tom Perry. <laughs> oh, it's really difficult not recording in the studio. I can't see anybody's face at all. I have got no visual cues whatsoever. But yes, I am the second third of the hosting trio of Rise on Track, Tom Perry, and our final third, but not the least, is... Connor Jonas. Yes. And seriously, Denim, Munch and Crunch? Is this cereal? <laughs> It may well be in a parallel universe, but not this one, because Thomas the Tank Engine is a hit television program that first came from Britain, and we have developed it all the way here across Australia, and we devour it just like a breakfast cereal. Very smooth. I don't know what, don't know where that went, but I got around to where we we're going in the meantime. But this is a very special episode, not only. It's the final episode of Series 4. Yes. But we also have yet another special... Another? Another. They're, they're, they're just coming out of the woodwork. Like, I'm having to hold the walls They're coming out of the goddamn guests, walls. But guests are just everywhere. They're teeming into a pile in the corner of my room. But our special guest this week is none other than Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello. I am the fourth of third... Apparently, yes, indeed. And uh, Tim, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I like trains. Um, <laughs> Very simply. Apt. I mean, we all do. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Um, I yeah, I, I I like trains. I've uh, been involved with trains for many, many, many years. Probably more years than I've actually been alive, which I don't know how that's physically possible, but it's probably true. You've ascended the astral plane. Oh, yes, 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 I have. Well, basically, since I've been a young, young, young boy, I've always wanted to work on trains, uh, be near trains, listen to trains. I once heard, although this doesn't apply to myself, of actually being a train, again, transcending the physical realms of humanity to be a train. And I've also wanted to work on trains, and um, I actually am a, a, a locomotive fireman, guard woman. Ah. Yeah, so I, I'm the one who shovels the coal and is ultimately forgotten or blamed for everything. <laughs> no, that's that's me. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was about to say, you are one-third I am one-third, well, yes, <laughs> one-third woman. I am a yeah. qualified woman. But to be fair... So is this podcast. Yes, I believe Signalmen have a very poor <laughs> reputation on this podcast. <laughs> so hopefully I only bring I only bring one third of a poor reputation. Oh no, I'll, no, it's I shall leave the fine. rest to um all the other signalmen within this podcast. Absolutely. And speaking Sorry, of Tom. <laughs> And speaking of this podcast, we have a very well-charted schedule of episodes that we're going to review and parry. What are those episodes? Well, the three episodes we're going to review today to conclude the fourth season of Right on Track are Fish, Special Attraction, and Mind That Bike, which are the only three stories, and in fact, I think they're the last three Christopher Audrey stories to be adapted by the television series. That is correct, Parry. And we'll get into that as we review them one by one. That's not actually technically true. You'd have to wait Ooh. a little while, but eventually... Yes. <laughs> eventually. Yes. Some Audrey stories would return, albeit slightly modified, to the series. Although, like I said... You, you'd need to wait a good 20, 20 years. <laughs> yes. It's a, it's a long time. Now we must ask you, Tim. What is your history with our uh, friend Thomas? Oh well, like I said, I like trains. And though, a, 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 like <laughs> consist of train. That you give like? us a specific consist. Provo- oh, specific consist. <laughs> um, yeah, you like trains. Tell us what train you like. I quite like a good goods train, a good mixed goods train mm. with predominant, preferably a, a steam locomotive at the front. 
I can't really, I'm probably one of the few people of my generation to say that Thomas was not the start of my interest in railways, but kept it alive for many, many years. And I was actually, I was brought up with mainly the first four seasons of the show. The fourth season was, I think it was 95 it came out, was the year of my birth. So definitely uh, had a, has a big major impact on my life and as it does or as it has done over time, it, it sort of dropped off. But then you, you reach a certain point in your life where suddenly you are overcome with nostalgia. And, um, yeah, Thomas definitely was one of those nostalgic things which came back. But by that point, it wasn't so much, oh, look, he's Thomas, or look, he's, he's all these favourite stories. It's going back and looking into what inspired them. And that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about the Audrey stories whether it be from the reverend or christopher is that a lot of them are based off real workings real events and in many cases real trains and that's one of my major interests in railways is the stories that come out of them and to see them adapted from prototypical workings into this sort of fictionalized but very involved um, sort of universe is one of the things i found so appealing of particularly the first four seasons and towards the, the newer seat stories too. In fact, <laughs> one of the more later episodes that have come out introduced me to an f- operational method of railways, which I did not know of, which was um, slip coaches. Oh, yeah. I, I, forget, oh, yes. I forget which episode, uh, which season is in, but there's an episode, I think it's Duck and Slip Coaches. And I had yes. never heard of slip coaches before, and I thought, nah, they're making this up. So sure enough, I go to the internet and I look it up. I was like, well, well, what do you know? Look, it's a real thing. And I was like, I can't believe it. 20 plus years after, it's still teaching me stuff about trains. Nice. So you said you really like season four. Is it your favourite? Uh, probably not my favourite. Definitely the one that um, I was brought up with the most. But I honestly... If it's the first four seasons I like, my favourite were probably, it's a mix between seasons one and two. Yeah. It, it, it sort of, it has that sort of a charm that I don't necessarily say it lost over time, but definitely was not able to hold as well as it did. And I think that's just sort of the, the I think part of it might be because obviously I grew up with the, the Ringo Starr narrations. And I reckon that's probably one of the main things. Now I have to ask that, Age-old question. Do you have a favourite character? Uh, if I had kids, this is like me being asked, asking me to choose between them. It's going to be between one of three. It's good. Okay. It's good. Okay. Edward, Duck, or Toby. The wise, sort of more experienced engines. Mm. Yeah. And yes, all have good stories. I'd have to say so. The good, the good story bit... The main thing that I like about them is that they're sort of, they haven't got a lot in the way of, not, it's not so much they have a lot, a lot in the way of character development, but more that they've got developed characters and a lot of their stories rely on telling their backstories. Yeah. And that's something mm. I really like. No, that's very good. On the note of Duck and, and Toby, actually, we're going to be covering some of their stories today. Absolutely, we are. Yeah. So, we are going to be starting with Fish, in which this episode, there has been a special order of fish on the Northwestern Railway. One night, a special load of fish was ordered. The fat controller decided that extra vans must be added to the train that the men call the Flying Kipper. The only vans available were old ones. They had not been used for a long time. Henry waited impatiently by the quayside as Duck shunted them into position. Thomas puffed by with the mail train. Hello, duck. Going fishing? I'd take care if I were you. Why? Huffed duck. Well, for one thing, puffed Thomas, remembering his own experience, if fish get into an engine's boiler, they always cause trouble. And for another, fish can be awfully smelly. And I know what I'm talking about. 
Good night. So, Duck and Thomas, they're talking about fish. And as we can hear there, there is one particular engine who has a distaste for fish. And in this particular story, Duck is helping Henry with the flying keeper because it's an extra special train. They've got heaps of fish and they need extra vans. The only vans they have are really old ones. And Duck is, for some reason, the engine who's called in as a backing engine. Now, Mike, a couple of episodes ago, you might remember him. He was the polite young gentleman from Canada we had on. He said one of the issues he had with Christopher Audrey's stories was there wasn't really any consideration given to which engines were involved in which stories. So they just sort of happened to be there. And I think... That's something which comes across in this episode. There's really no explanation as to why Duck, who has his own branch line, is helping Henry to push the flying kipper along the main line. I have a theory on that, actually. Oh, we love a good... We love theories We, love them. we call it head cannon. <laughs> this is going to be my uh, prototypical brain speaking. Gordon's Hill mm. often has been, ref- uh, been a sort of facsimile of the Licky Incline. Correct. During the days of steam, pannier tanks, with the exception of the, the main banker, were renowned for being bankers on trains up the Licky Incline. There's even um, lots of references of up to four pannier tanks pushing one train up the hill. So, coincidence, a pannier tank pushing a train up a facsimile of a famous incline? Yeah. That's just like putting your ducks in a row. Mm. Hey. It seems I've been destroyed with facts and logic, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but the fact is, is that even if it is a good simile example of a real-life engine on a real-life incline, following a real-life event, but we'll get more of that when we reach the climax of the episode, mm. he still has got his own line to run, and Edward is predominantly known as the banking engine for Gordon's Hill, the Licky Incline. Mm. Having said that, Oliver, Donald, and Douglas are probably on his, so they could easily cover his work, and Edward's got his own branch, Ooh. too. True. True, but we see at the time when Duck is ready to go help Henry up Gordon's Hill, we do see Edward in the background. Do you reckon he's come back from having pulled a train, or he's he he, he reached his maximum hours? He, he has to have his uh, <laughs> his, yeah, his, uh, his yeah, regulation yeah. rest. Moving on. Yeah. So, <laughs> so coming back to the plot of fish, uh, what happens is Henry gets to Gordon's Hill, and Duck pushes the train from the rear or does the banking for Henry, and as they get halfway up the hill, Duck's uh, discovers that he can't see a tail lamp on the back of the train. And because he has no um, way of knowing where the train is, he just runs straight into the back of it and causes an accident. Which then essentially is the end of... Well, not the end of the episode, but the climax. And then the next day it's the fat controller going, it wasn't your fault, Duck. The tail lamp fell off. Mm. And dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. That's pretty much it. Like 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 the episode for something that very much like the Flying Kipper, the original Flying Kipper, it has a brief explanation. It has then got a build up to it. Then it's got the accident. Then it's got the slight debrief after the accident. Sounds like that's a pretty cursed train for things to keep going wrong with it. Mm. It is always cursed. If anything, I would say it's Henry's cursed. Possibly. Like, I mean, let's look at let's look at Henry's track record right now. <laughs> no, locked in a tunnel. Mm. That that's a big start. You know, he's been whooshed by an elephant. He's had rocks thrown at him. Yes. Yep. Yep. Rock crashed rocks into another train, pulling the flying kipper. Mm. He didn't want to hurt a cow. Nope. The entire Welsh coal situation. Mm. Like, I mean, I, I, I know that he's an experimental engine originally, and then he was converted into a Black Five, but I'm just saying that Henry is cursed. That's the season one. <laughs> yeah, it's... I, I, I'm going to go right off the bat here and say, this episode, I like it due to its nostalgia reasons. I like it due to it being at night, but the rest of it, I really struggle to enjoy. 
So from an aesthetic point of view, you really enjoy it, but from a story and plot point of view, you don't so much. Story, plot, camera work. It's a bit dry. <laughs> no, you're, you are all right. There is really not a lot happening in this episode. I mean, once it gets to the climax, it's really cool and exciting. But other than that, yeah, there's not really a lot going for this story. I mean, we don't even get to see a lot of the beautiful scenery that we've been accustomed to in previous stories. So it's just kind of there, I guess. Yeah, I was watching this episode with my housemate. And he viewed it very critically from, like, a point of view of a working railway. And then when it got up to the accident, he's like, that's a, a serious railway accident. <laughs> I mean, it is. Mm. He's not wrong. Yeah. The way that it's done, I think, is definitely effective and doesn't feel uh, so put on. So I definitely love it for the crescendo moment. Mm. And, like, I mean, the cause of the accident was a tail lamp falling off. Now, there's something I don't like about that, which is the fat controller goes, we should have checked that the tail lamp was properly secured. Mm. Now, from what that tells me, that it has got nothing to do with the old extra vans that they added to the Flying Kipper, which they went on about for a bit. They went, there's an extra load of fish. There are these old vans that need to be put in place. These vans are very old and nearly falling apart. And the accident is due to a tail lamp falling off. Here I may be criticising the actual plot of Christopher Audrey's original story. Which, by the way, what is it, Parry? Christopher Audrey's original story, Connor, is uh, it's, well, it's called Fish. And it's from the book Really Useful Engines, which is officially number 27 in the Railway series. Thank you, Parry. I may be criticising fish from really useful engines, or I could be criticising the storytelling in TV form that has put its representation. But honestly, there are only two things. I love all the night shots and the music. That, that, that's it. The rest of the episode, I'm not a big fan of. Oh, well, that's a shame, because I actually really like the accident, to be honest. The, the accident is cool, but I, I feel that it's really underplayed. Mm. Mm, yeah. There is one notable thing about this episode, though. It would be Duck's last leading role for a good, ooh, 13 Until seasons. Until series 17, The Thomas Way. So my boy goes out with a crash. He does. And Duck has had sort of two main accidents so far in the show. Mm. And both of them have been the main pitfalls of being a backing engine. Yeah, they have. That's true. Yeah, they have, yeah. Because the very first accident Duck had, if we remember well, listeners, all the way back in season two was him acting as a backing engine for Edward. And it was when he was coasting down the hill that the trucks he was supposed to be pushing up the hill got detached from their train and they chased him down and right into the a barbershop front yes could have been avoided easily don't get me started on it well the alternative <laughs> was crashing into the back of a passenger train i believe it's true that is true tim but the issue we had was why have, why have they put a barbershop specifically after a set of buffers in a goods yard it just, we call them buffers it's a lollipop stick yes cheap, it was cheap rent <laughs> But then, of course, the second issue with being a backing engine is colliding into the back of the train in the train, breaking underneath you. Mm. Which, by the way, based on a true event, which did occur on the Licky Incline. There you go. Uh, before the Second World War, when a train crashed into the back of another one. I'd imagine it's probably more common. Probably more common, but I feel, you know, maybe it was a fish train, much like in Henry and the Elephant's real-life event. Not much has been documented on it. No. Like, I haven't got much to say about this episode. So, so we just jump straight into the ratings, Connor? Like, we can. Um, Apart, you know, I love the music, but we've heard it before. Love the night shots, but, you know, we've seen it before. We could see the mail train again. Mm. Yeah, I do love the continuity of Thomas and the mail train. I, I, I do like that. And, like, the callback to Thomas Goes Fishing is okay, but you sort of need a stretch to reach it. Because he goes, yeah. ah, 
trust me, I know that fish smell bad. But then it, you couldn't smell fish. They were within your system. Uh, uh, unless you can smell your own breath, in which case your water tanks are a part of your breath, in which case we're going way into engine biology here. You. <laughs> so, like, I mean... Uh... Rankings? Ooh, well, um, I'm feeling generous today, so I'm going to go six. Okay. Denim? Four. Tim? Uh, I was going to go with a seven, but I might revise it for a six. You can go with a seven if you want. Uh, no, I'm going to stick with a six. Okay. Okay. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going with a three. I'm, I'm sorry, a three? Three? Okay. Wow. Oh, I think that's the lowest score you've ever given no, out, Connor. No, no, no. I, I gave out a two before to a certain episode. <laughs> of course, how could uh, I forget? Like, I mean, I've loved all of season four up until this episode. And I, I don't know why it is lacking, but it really is. And I feel it's a combination between camera work and writing. It feels like a filler episode. It is very much a feeler. Like, I mean, an issue with the camera shots is that the entire climax, they just recycle the same three kinds of shots. Duck, back of train, Henry. Rinse and repeat. Like, I I would have loved if maybe they just inserted a few scenes during the main climax where Henry started to feel the train heave back on him. You maybe have a shot inside his cab of the drivers talking about how they need to build more steam or what's happened to Duck. Or maybe a shot in Duck's cab going, I can't see a thing! Yeah, very true. And I feel maybe even just doing that tiny insert there may jump my three up to a six. Can someone make a remake of this and make it better? Yes, please, please. Get out Turtles. Carson, if you're listening. Carson, Turtles, anyone. If you remake this episode and you insert anything that I feel it's better, I will adore you for ages. And give you the right 10 numbers. And I'll give you the right numbers for it. But we are now going to quickly move on to the next episode. Which I think is a little more special. <laughs> Very well said, Connor. It is more special. It is, in fact, called the special attraction. Now, this actually has two plots in the one episode here. And in the clip here, we hear Toby and Percy talking about their experiences before they are interrupted. Percy was shunting in the yard. He didn't expect to see Toby. What are you doing back so soon? Before Toby could reply, the fat controller arrived. Leave these trucks here, please, Percy. There's an emergency at the harbour. Come on, Percy, said his driver. This'll be trouble with Bulstrode. Who's Bulstrode? wondered Percy. He was still surprised about Toby, and now he had two puzzles to sort out. His driver explained, Bulstrode is a disagreeable barge. He never stops complaining. Yes, there is trouble at the harbour, and unbeknownst to Percy, is about to meet someone new to the Thomas family, who is indeed Bullstrode the Barb. Mm, and this is the only time we see him throughout the entire television series. Incorrect. Oh, oh rats. I did it again. I got my facts mixed <laughs> up. But, um... Bullstrode is no one-hit wonder. <laughs> in fairness, though, in my defence... We see a lot of Bullshrode merchandise hanging about. We see, uh, you know, his character everywhere, basically. And, yeah, there's only yeah. a very, very select number of appearances that he has in Thomas and Friends. And this is his only actual speaking role and faced appearance. Uh-huh. Other times we've seen him, we have either seen the back of him, in which case he could be there, the front of him, but without a face, in which case he's not there, or his face, but on a truck. Yes, he was reincarnated into a truck. Oh, no. Actually, I have a theory. (laughs) Oh, no. So, over time, when Bullstrode was put on the beach and children played, he began to rot away, but there was some timber that was still good, so they took that away, having taken away a part of him and used that to make 
or repurpose. Uh, and now that his timber is a part of that truck, Bullstruck. Bullstruck, I love it. Yeah, that, that, that actually, in the wider Thomas community, is the name used for a truck with Bullstrode's face on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Having said what you said, Bullstrode is up there with the likes of Gruff yeah. and George and Caroline as like, and Class 40 as, as one-hit wonders of Series 4. Yeah, it's really interesting and really enjoyable as well because he is only ever, not even in one episode, he's in one half of the episode and he is in so much merch. Honestly, I'm amazed that they haven't used him more. Yeah, he was supposed to come back at some point, but then a certain company said, Yeah, yeah, but... He was supposed to be in Mr. Young Rescue. I prefer him being this one hit. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. And it works. But I feel we need to talk about the whole episode in case some listeners haven't seen or read about it before. So, Tim, would you like to give us a synopsis of Special Attraction? Well, Special Attraction uh, combines not one, but two separate Christopher Audrey stories. They being Toby's Seaside Holiday and Bolstrode from the book Toby, Trucks and Trouble, which I think is book 32? No, 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 spot on, Tim. It's book 32 in the Railway series. Well done. It was 32. Well, there you go. And it starts off with Toby getting ready for a special seaside festival. He goes down to the station where it's being held, only to be told that it's not happening anymore. Well, it is happening. They just don't need him. Well, yes, he's. Uh, I believe he's being told that he will um, overshadow everybody. <laughs> Probably. My, one of my favourite things about this particular scene is the driver's response when he hears the news. He says, well, if that doesn't take the biscuit, which is a <laughs> saying I've been trying to incorporate it more into my life. Well, if that doesn't take the biscuit. Yeah, exactly. So I'll use it tomorrow. Yes, we should all use it. Yes, we should bring <laughs> it back into popular um, uh, usage. It's as great as Yabu Snobs, Bluebells Forever. <laughs> well then, let me allow yes. me to say this. Well, if that doesn't take the biscuit, Toby returns back to the junction to learn that there is trouble at the harbour and Percy is sent to deal with it where he meets Bullstrode, who is being a grumpy old barge. Yeah, he's a disagreeable barge in the words of Percy's driver. So Bullstrode having a go at the uh, the trucks for not being in their proper place, unaware that they are not self-propelled trucks, although <laughs> the show seems to have occasionally uh, proven otherwise. Uh, <laughs> and then Percy goes about shunting them into their correct positions but some hijinks ensue and the trucks end up not so much being put in their right place but being put well their loads should be put which is into bullstrode only that the the, the trucks go with the load so bullstrode is left sinking because he's got all this extra weight in him exactly the precursor to roll on roll off cargo (laughs) and then at the very end bullstrode they take all the rubble out of him and then they leave him on a beach for children to play with him you really think that's like his demise demise maybe end no uh, some facts about the episode. So first appearance of Bullstrode, last appearance of him as a character. Oh. Uh, he is the only non-human character of Christopher Audrey's that has been introduced into the TV series. Mm. It is the last appearance of Knapford Harbour. Ah, oh, true. However, it was briefly mentioned slash seen in a online exclusive Meet the Steam Team video, Percy, where it says it's where he picks up the mail. And what breaks my heart the most, this is the last appearance of Ellsbridge Station. Oh, mm. it's such an iconic set from going back to almost in the first few yeah. episodes of season one Thomas and the trucks mm. like i mean what really gets me because we're right here at the tailor end of season four and we have just reviewed duck's last main character episode until season 17 we've got the last appearage of ellsbridge station mm. we've got all of these lasts except the thing is on how when i think thomas I think Ellsbridge Station. I think of Duck. When in actuality, they have been around for less time than the rest of the show. Well, 
I suppose that's just one of the things about this show is that because it's been going on for so long, yeah, there are multiple generations of people who watched it, and you know, you get people think for them, Thomas, it's all these characters who people from our generation and people even before us, you know, all these original characters are thinking that these aren't the characters that I know. You just think, well, look, it's been there for so long that everyone has their go-to, depending on what generation you are, as to what constitutes this. That's a very good point. Thomas has been going on as of 2020 for 75 years now, since the original books. Mm. And the thing is, this is really weird for me, because for me, this is the end of Thomas Rick. Mm. You know, we're losing Ellsbridge Station from now on. Yeah. I suppose it's a case of what would you prefer? Do you only really consider the television show to be Thomas? Do I consider the railway series? This is a question for everyone, really. Again, it really depends on what and when you were introduced. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on with special attraction. (laughs) (laughs) We'll start with Toby. So, Toby, wonderful steam tram, he has been told he's going to be the special attraction at a parade by a wonderful seaside village. And we get a bit of uh, screen time for our old mate Trevor. Trevi. Hey. Lovely Trevor. He's only on screen for a second, but it's a beautiful second. In which case, his driver says that you know, a special attraction, someone who's just smiles and blows whistles, which to me sounds a lot like a celebrity. Well, isn't that what would entice to bring someone like Toby to such a fastidious event? Well, obviously not, because due to bad organisation, they've ran out of room in the parade. They've specifically asked Toby, little tram engine, small water tank, as we know, to travel across Sodor, and then when he gets there, say, well, oh, sorry, we don't need you. There's not enough mm. room. Uh, my question is, how was he supposed to be incorporated into the parade? Because he's on his railway tracks. Yeah, exactly. Were they going to put him on a truck? I imagine that they would have him run up and down a yard or... The siding. Siding, something like that, and doing, like, little shuttles back and forth with presentation of how he works. That's possible. Another thing could be that they perhaps have a float of him in the parade or maybe have some photographs of him and say, if you want to see the real thing, come to our railway station. You can see it Mm. live and in person. Yes, exactly. It is the real Toby the train engine. (laughs) To be fair, Toby could very much be a part of the parade because he is a tram engine and tramways are well known for incorporating road oh, and rail. This is true. And I do believe the book, the story that this episode, or this part of the episode is based on, there is actually a story called Toby Takes to the Road. There is. Which I believe was actually the story before Special Attraction, or Toby's Seaside Holiday. This story deters a lot. Well, this half of the story mm. deters a lot from its original inspiration. Which I think is actually quite sad because I think there was a lot of potential to have a really nice Toby backstory episode here. For those that don't know about Toby's Seaside Holiday, which this first half of Special Attraction is inspired by, it is about Toby reminiscing about his previous work at a harbour in Yarmouth. Mm. Then he's been told he can go to a local festival. And then he spends a night in a siding. They're told they don't have room for him. But the real reason was that they were afraid he would show everyone else up. This story could have had so much more potential in it. And yet, we don't get to see this. And instead, we get what is really the leftover part of... The Bullstrode story. This really should have been two episodes. Yeah, I think so. At the I same so. time, mm. it is a decent mashup. It is a decent mashup. If anything, I feel that both the two stories in this episode have really been flipped in quality because the Toby story in Special Attraction is nowhere near as good as Toby's Seaside Holiday. 
But the Percy story in Special Attraction is better than the story seen in Bullstrode. It's interesting you make that point, Connor, because whenever I return to this episode, I find myself watching it for the Bullstrode element rather than the Toby element. And that always seems to be the case because it has got a lot more action. Really interesting. When in actuality, we could have had this, you know, climactic slapstick Bullstrode episode. And then we could have had a Toby the Tram Engine episode. And what I feel has happened is that they were considering both Toby's Seaside Holiday and Bullstrode. The Bullstrode story, they went, oh, that's amazing. We can sell merch of a boat. And there's a cool scene where all these trucks fall in a boat. But there's really not much to do there. So then they went, well, we can just pad it out with this bit from another story. Mm. So that way we're not extending the Bullstrode story, which I like, because I feel that the Bullstrode part of the story works well in its short form, except in doing so, they completely cannibalise another story. Yeah, and you say slapstick for the second half of the story, and it makes for good television, but I reckon that was cannibalised too, because... Mm. Reading the book it's based on, it actually makes a bit more sense as yeah. to how it happened. And that's where I think both stories would have been better off if they'd been separated and then fleshed out. I guess because my perception of this story for so long was this episode, and it wasn't until at least 15 years later I read the book. Um, it totally turned it on its head for me. So it's something that I can only really see as two separate entities. It's like watching a film based on a book. You know, you might read the book and then you watch the film and you say, oh, I prefer this or I prefer that. It's just the way it's been adapted is dependent on what you were brought up with. Before we head into the rankings, there is one other thing I really, really want to point out about this episode, and that is Special Attraction is the second instance of a character breaking the fourth wall in the television series. Ah, oh, yes. Remember? yes, yes. yes. When uh, Percy's pushed the truck through the buffers and are about to fall down into Bullstrode, we see Bullstrode looking up with his <laughs> surprised face, then looking directly into the camera and then looking back up to say, oh, well, I've, I've succumbed to my fate now. I know what's going on. If they're going to make it slapstick, they've got to go all out. Yeah, it's a very nice job. <laughs> that is a brilliant point, and I forgot about it. And that's actually making me feel a lot better now. There are a few notes mm. here. How does Percy's driver know of Bullstrode, but not Percy? Because he's heard the other drivers gossiping about him. Secondhand knowledge. Yep. Okay. Brilliant. Now it says that the trucks were careless, in which case it more so appears to be that Percy, after seeing <laughs> Diesel and Diesel does it again and decides to push trucks mm. and not stop. That was a very careless bit of shunting. I don't know why they called the trucks being careless, because I think the engine pushing it was uh, walking. At least in Diesel Does It Again, it's a very short path between the sea and the buffer. That's very true. The, the distance between the buffer that Percy hits and the edge of the... The key. Uh, yeah, the key where the, where, where the trucks fall into the water. It's a very, very long way. Exactly. In fact, in the Gorn Fishing music video, you actually see Thomas, Annie and Clarabelle sitting precariously on that part, and then you can see the buffers behind them. Yeah. Which means that there is essentially an entire train's length between the buffers and the quayside, mm -hmm. yet Percy, while still recognising, oh no, these trucks are here, keeps pushing them. This is Percy that we're talking about. Just want to say, kudos to the people making it, none of the trucks they pushed off that key missed the bar. True! Well yes. spotted. So, rankings. Okay, let's get this over with. I'm going to go with an 8 out of 10, because I really love the Bullstrode story, and the Toby story's okay, but it is kind of neat how the two uh, stories mesh together. So it's an 8 out of 10 from me. Well, compared to my score, I give it a 6. As I stated, I honestly think these, as, as decent a mashup as these stories were, they definitely should have been fleshed out into two separate stories, which then would have equally gotten a higher score. But combined together, the way it was done... Yeah, it's a six. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. It's a six for me as well. 
I'm feeling very swayed by this episode because I agree with the clunkiness of how both stories are being executed. At the same time, I love that we get a little bit of Toby um, and they kind of feel it as an excuse to give him more to do. Whilst it's there, it's still somewhat relevant. But we also have a really, really good sequence with Percy and Bullstrode. Like, I, I feel like I definitely want more, but I'm still very satisfied. So I'm going to give it a 7. Okay, then. Mm. I, I feel after this very disagreed upon episode, <laughs> we should go to our musical interlude. Which is a, a, a choice from uh, Mr. Tim here. Hello. Which is a uh, wonderful piece from Pokemon, but in its Thomas style. The two things, yes, the two things of my childhood combined in a way I never thought I'd need, and yet it's been delivered. This is Carson's The Johto Journey Begins. <laughs> And welcome back to the Right on Track podcast. You just heard that little earworm, which was Johto The Journey Begins, which is a crossover of two wonderful things, Thomas the Tank Engine and Pokemon. But now, gentlemen, yes, it is a very bittersweet moment as we come to the last episode of Series 4. Also, one of the last episodes to be based on the Railway series for a very, very long time. So let's just jump straight into it. If one morning you were to ride in Bertie the bus, you would run down the winding country road with him, cross over Stonewall Bridges and travel past Thomas's branch line. Then you would hear Bertie's friendly greeting as he sees one of his friends pass by. His name is Tom Tipper the Postman. Every day, Tom trundles cheerfully around the island of Sodor. He stops at stations collecting letters and parcels from Thomas's and Percy's mail train. Then he delivers the mail to farms and cottages far and wide. The engines know that anywhere their rails won't reach, Tom Tipper will collect their post and deliver it safely come rain or shine. I absolutely love this episode, and I love the narration at the beginning. I love the way it sets it up. I love those beautiful visuals. I mean, obviously, listeners, you can't see them right now, but I implore you to watch the episode, and you'll just see this these wonderful images of this little postman travelling around the island of Sodor, visiting sets and scenery which have been created specifically for this episode. I mean, they don't appear in any other episodes of Season 4 at all. It looks absolutely wonderful. And, of course, you've got the music in the background. Look, I could go on and on and on and on. In fact, if this were just the entire story, if this were all this story was, I would happily consider it one of my favourite episodes of Thomas and Friends ever. It's just... 
absolutely beautiful. I, I was saying to Connor before, I had to watch this episode twice to really soak it up. And one thing, one tiny detail which I love, as the narrator is telling us about Tom Tipper, he goes to um, a part of the Scarlowy Railway and then the Scarlowy Railway theme kicks in there. It's just so seamless and so beautifully done. Mm. I would like to actually add something there to his visit to Lakeside, which is he delivers a letter to a slightly balding man who bears a very uncanny resemblance to Michelangelo's. Oh, true. This episode, I agree with you, Tom. It is beautiful. I adore it except it's in the wrong place Mm. i love it i want it to be alive but it's not a season finale no okay i i'm with you there it doesn't certainly doesn't feel like it's wrapping up season four but as a standalone story you've got to admit it's just absolutely beautiful oh yes having said that i reckon it works really well as a season finale because it goes out just as season four had it should have been going and not wrapping up it goes on the rhythm that it beats all the way through and i really like it for that reason yeah i do understand that but here is the story of Mind That Bike. Yes, that, that is the name of the story. It's not specifically about a postman. I mean, it is about a postman, but the main issue, the let's call it the Chekhov's gun of the story, is a bicycle. Yes. So the episode starts off with Bertie the Bus, a well-loved, pre-established character. And then it talks about how Bertie... In his day, always make sure he gives a little toot-toot to his good friend Tom Tipper the Postman, (laughs) which I think is a brilliant way to introduce a character. It it is certainly an excellent way to introduce a character, but what Christopher Audrey has, well, maybe he has considered this, but now we've got to sort of deal with the fact that we've got two Thomases on the island of Sodor. We've got the tank engine, and now we've got Mr. Thomas Tipper the Postman. He's Tom Tipper. Yeah, yes, but Tom isn't, as I know, because I do share a name with a certain blue engine. I second that. Yes, and Denim seconds that. Tom is an abbreviation of Thomas. Well, I guess it makes it feel all the more real. Like, there's not going to be exclusively one Thomas living in the population of the island of Sodor. Like, I love the idea, just going off kilter for one moment, I love the idea, I would love this to be a story, that there is a young boy called Thomas who lives on the island of Sodor, or someone that has a name James or Montague or something, and goes, that engine has the same name as me. I reckon that'd be a lovely story. Well, there are two characters in the show with the same name. There are two, two Olivers, isn't there? There are yeah. two there Olivers. There are two Olivers. There are two Berts. But, but yes, back to the episode. Tom Tipper travels all around Sodor collecting parcels and letters and delivering them. Uh, he's also good friends with Thomas and Percy, who, as we learnt in Season 3, take the post train most nights. And then one day what happens is that Tom Tipper isn't seen at the station and the parcels are just left there by another postman and instead of delivering it in a wonderful sodor mail van he is riding a little bicycle i've got no idea what that's got to do with the story this other (laughs) this other postman bicycle i do because the next day tom tipper is back at work except he is on a bicycle and the van is too expensive to keep going but just as tom tipper's about to leave he needs to quickly nip into Sir Topham Hatt's office to sign some very important paperwork. He rather carelessly leaves his bike resting against Percy's train, and then the human element jumps in. Yeah, this is really interesting here, because it's Percy who notices or remembers that the bike is 
leaned up against his train and he's the one who says stop and yet his driver and fireman proceed forward anyway. Yeah. Well, there's a really good reason why. Cut to the shot of him looking along the train, he's looking down the wrong side. That That's true. He's looking ahead and not behind. Well, it's not even that. He's, he's looking towards the right of Percy when the bike's on the left. Yeah, the bike's on the platform oh. and he's looking on the track side. Which is a good point, but even still, does that mean that none of the engine's able to move forward or backward at all on their own, at least in Series 4 world? Well, in the, yeah, in terms of Series 4, it looks like the engines don't have any autonomy, but if we think back again to Percy and the Signal, which was a Reverend Audrey story originally, it was Percy's driver telling him, come on, off we go, and then it was after that that Percy moved backwards rather than forwards like his driver wanted him to. One of these days, guys, we're going to sit down and we are going to deliberate on the exact autonomy of engines. But the bike has been crushed, smashed, bent and battered underneath the wheels of Percy's train. So Tom Tipper needs to go on foot for the rest of the day. However, the next day, Percy arrives and there is a shiny new van for Tom Tipper. And Ooh. Percy did sort of help by accident and everyone's happy you might say there are two things i'd like to note right now about this episode one i love on how the main character is not a vehicle yes yeah Hmm. it's a human and i feel that is something that Thomas has sorely missed for a while. That is why we love Tom Tipper. We got a story mm. about him. That's why we like Mrs. Kindly. We've had stories about her. Cyril the Fogman. We have stories where they are seen as a main character. See, people like Nancy, but she was sort of... There and then... Not, not there. No longer seen again. The refreshment lady. Refreshment lady? She's got stories about her. Like, people like characters. And Tom Tipper is well-loved because, well, it doesn't matter if they're kind or not, as we know with Scruffy, it just matters if they're a main character. Yeah. And if they have a great story to go with them. Yes. Yes. So, this is a very weird episode. Uh, It's an unusual episode, I would say. It's not typical. It is not a normal Thomas and Friends story, shall we say. But I love this episode because it's not your average Thomas and Friends story and because it tells that story really, really quite beautifully. And um, It's succinct. It is quite succinct, yes. Mm. They do sort of stretch it out a little bit, but I think it's perfectly paced in that regard you know they've turned what is quite a short story into a perfect five minute episode i think when i was talking about fish before i really complained about how they were reusing the same shots again and again meanwhile a good four minutes of this episode takes place in one location it does Calvin station mm. it's a nice station i'll give you that very nice station i believe it's also the same station where oliver ripped apart scruffy it is yeah mm. oh only from a different angle yes mm. well spotted yes but the thing is is that this story you have got tons of different camera angles consider the day that you've got the different postman you have got a shot from the footbridge looking down i was gonna say that this episode is shot differently to other episodes and do you know what it's shot like it's shot as if it's being shot by a rail fan by a rail fan and as if it were season five Ah. because if you think back to tons of different shots and steps in this episode you've got a shot of percy going along the main line arriving at the station and there are tons of empty tracks next to him and the first thing i thought there was that seems like season five a season five tracking shot you've got the shots from the footbridge from above the engines then you've got a lot of shots that are outside of a station looking at the roads something very much like uh, it's a lady hat's birthday party Topham hat trying to get there you have all the roads there you've got a lot more large-scale shot yeah something that season five excelled because you've got the destroyed bike you've got all the large scales 
of Tom Tipper and all the workmen. You've got the human element. The night shots. The night shots. There are a few of them, but they are beautiful. I love this episode. There's only one thing that I question about it. Uh, Well, two things, really. But one is, why is it the end of season four? And the second one being, what importance has that second postman got? It was sick. Well, like, he may have been sick, but that's never explained. It contributes nothing to the story. There is the possibility, Connor, that the reason why Tom Tipper couldn't make it was because his van broke down, and that's why his... Uh, supervisors made the decision to stop running the van because it became too expensive to repair it. That is a very real possibility. Then add a line Mm. saying, his van broke down today, I'm filling in for him. No, we don't need that. We We don't don't need explanation. No, we don't. If the ninth episode of the Star Wars saga has taught (laughs) us anything, it's that you don't need to explain anything. You just need to show people pretty pictures. That's just the entire... No. Applying aloe vera to that burn. Tim does not speak for all members of the Right on Track podcast. That's why I'm only a guest. (laughs) What do you think about this story, Tim? Like all of these stories, I often go back to the source material, partly to figure out or to understand where the idea of this story came, how it's been adapted. And one major difference between the televised version and the book is that the TV version sort of focuses on how the loss of his van makes Tom agitated, having to use not a very suitable mode of replacement transport. And that ultimately leads to basically getting things back the way he wants. In the source material, it's a matter of Tom's bike. It wasn't his fault that the bike got run over. It was because his bike got stolen. Yeah, a a bunch of hooligans played around with his bike. Basically, what's happened here is the message has changed, but I don't think it's a bad change. Like, it's gone from don't ride your bicycle on a platform, railway platform, because you could end up almost being run over by a train, to changing an aspect of one's work life to make it more difficult can result in more trouble more trouble trying to adjust and in that mistakes are made which in this case again is the bike gets Mm. run over but in the end you do get the happy ending saying okay maybe that wasn't a good idea we'll try this and you know there you go you got your van back Mm. and i don't mind that the thing that really for me especially watching this one back is as i was saying the way it's shot it feels more like it's being shot by a human because it feels like it's more of a human story. Mm. Yeah. It's the sort of thing where it's not a big grandiose thing. It's just a little, little, little incident. It's something like could roll up to Callan Junction station and it's just something you would witness. You, you witness the story then and there over a period of what, one, two or three days. Yeah. And yet it's all stuff you could witness from the footbridge, which a number of these shots in this episode are taken from. And that's what I like. It feels more personal Mm, very true one of the things just to go off topic again one of the things that always struck me about this episode was how very um, audrey like the message was because we've discussed on the podcast in the past how audrey is sort of leaning more towards the conservative side of the political spectrum and he's got these really black and white messages like if you do good deeds you'll get rewarded if you do bad deeds you'll be punished and it sort of all gets confused in this episode because as Tim's been saying, as we've all been saying, Tom Tipper makes the mistake of placing his bike against the train and it gets crushed. <laughs> what happens after that is that he's given a brand new van. So what what message is that supposed to teach yeah. children? That is a diversion from the original Audrey writing, which had the bike put up against a fence and then a bunch of kids were playing around with it on a station platform and then got it knocked in front of Percy just as he was about to leave. As with Tim, I prefer the way they've written this story because it's sort of like sending a message to people not to undervalue key members of your community and give them the resources and the respect that they deserve. Um, Now, before we get to rankings, there are a lot of lasts because this is the end of a season. This is the last Christopher Audrey story to ever be aired. This is the last story based on the railway series until the adventure begins. This is the last introduction of a railway series character 
until 2015's Sodor's Legend of the Lost Treasure. Oh boy. This is the first non-Christmas-themed season finale, or even non-festive. Mm-hmm. And also the last appearance of Bulgy, until Bulgy rides again in Series 7. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Of course, Bulgy appears in the background as Tom Tip is driving around the island. Exactly. I'm going to go drink some red cordial. And for the American viewers, it was the last episode to be narrated by George Carlin. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I have three interesting observations about this episode. My first observation is that the way this story is introduced, I very much imagine when David Midden and co. were plotting the idea of a Bertie spin-off featuring all the road vehicle characters. I very much picture this being the gateway to what that might look like. The way that the narrator says, oh, you meet Bertie the bus, he's friends with Thomas, and here are his friends, Tom, Tipper the Postman, and then other original characters that exist just in that show. So my second observation is, do you reckon the inclusion of the Scarlowy Railway locations are in this episode? Because the creative team knew this would be the last story of series four so they wanted it to feel that it had come full circle it's a possibility yeah that is a very good possibility to bookend it first episode being a narrow gauge story and mm. the last although not necessarily focusing yeah. on narrow gauge does get a last sort of curtain yeah. call in fact you go to a ton of key locations for example you start off the episode by Bulgy's Bridge, which we may recognise from Train Stops Play, which was yeah. part of the Stepney episode. We go by a ton of the Scarlowy Railway locations, which is beautiful. And then a lot of the episode takes place at Callan Station, which was where Toad stands by. The climax occurred. Yeah. So a, a, a lot of key series four moments are shown in this episode even subconsciously so whilst it's not a festive finale in footage wise it is a kind of finale it does Mm. feel like a celebration of everything we've seen the last thing i noticed about this episode in that last sequence where percy pulls into the station and meets tom tipper for the last time with his new van as that tracking shot appears you see oliver in a siding And then later on, you see Oliver passing with Toad, and you kind of go, Yes, you do. Not only only Oliver in a sighting, you also see Toad in a sighting. And you can't say that they were just shunting in the yard and now they're leaving. I'm not advocating that is what happened. A lot of time passed. (laughs) A, A lot of time would have to pass because Toad is seen at the opposite end of a siding with another row of trucks and that next to him it isn't a festive finale it isn't a grand hurrah but it is a solid episode i'm going straight out of the gate with an 8.5 straight out of the gate with a 0.5 that's a very generous score and i think you're right in giving that so i'm going to give it a seven so we've got so far an eight and a half and a seven. Well, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to give it a ten. I mean, this was one of the episodes I had on VHS as a kid. And when I was watching it as a youngster, I couldn't really understand why I was so drawn into it. And then as I revisited it, as I got older, I suddenly discovered, yeah, I know why I love this. It's the visuals. It's the music. It's the pacing. It's And it's the human element. It just does... Everything so wonderfully, and for that reason, I have to give it the perfect score. 8.5 from me. I like you, Tim. I like you. Oh, <laughs> we'll keep you around. We, we've also, um, this is really interesting, actually, because two uh, us have given it an 8.5, Denim a 7, me a 10, so it averages out to 8.5 anyway. <laughs> yes, it, it does. does. I'm afraid that brings us to the end of episode 32 of the Right on Track podcast and thus season four of the Right on Track podcast, where we covered two episodes that were like sort of questionable, but then we ended 
With whilst it wasn't a grand finale, it was a humble finale. That's very well put. It Connor. was a Thank very you. enjoyable story to cap off season four, and yeah, it's an interesting hodgepodge we've covered today. Just for those who can't quite remember, we covered the season four stories, Fish, Special Attraction, and Mind That Bike, all adapted from Christopher Audrey stories. What a ride it's been wow we've got to thank you tim uh for joining us as well it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast yes, is there anything thank you, thank you for having anything me. you'd like to plug um honestly the one thing i'm gonna say and this is very general considering what the world is currently going through obviously a lot of our heritage railways heritage railway groups museums whatnot are also struggling no visitors because of various lockdowns and other restrictions is uh, seriously hurt their revenue. So um, if you are able to, um, please consider donating to either your local uh, heritage railway group or favourite railway heritage group because obviously once this is all over, we really want to be able to go back to these places. And the only way we're going to ensure their survival is by uh, helping them in their time of need. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. But yes, that brings us to the end of Series 4 of Thomas and Friends, or Season 4 of the Right on Track podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. If you want to continue hanging out with us, reach out to us on our socials, such as our Twitter, at OnTrackThomas. You can find us on Instagram at sin underscore right on track. And you can also... Find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com forward slash right on track Thomas podcast, all one word. Or if you want, you can send us an email at right on track Thomas, all one word, at gmail.com. But never fear, very soon we will be coming back to review Series 5. And Parry, what are the three episodes we will be reviewing? Well, the three episodes of Series 5 we'll be reviewing when we return, whenever that may be. These are very strange times we live in. They will be Cranky Bugs, Horrid Lorry, and A Better View for Gordon. A strong start indeed. But until that time, I'm still Connor. I'm still Parry. And I'm still Denim. And I am out of here. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.